Good night and go blue. Chocolates, would I know to stay away? What's said Hand off his box, the box of chocolates. Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Hi, my name is Mike, and Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture, and culture takes on many forms, I would say. And so I thought to myself lately, having eaten about 7,000 punchki, um, how am I going to well deal with that? Am I going to work this off? How do I, how do I deal with this? What, how do I balance the rest of my life after having eaten so many punchki? And I thought I could talk to a dietitian. But then I said, no, I think I'll talk to a Rockette. I think that's what I'm going to do. So today we have a Rockette in the studio, Christy Davis. Hi, Christy. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, did you follow my logic there? Because, um, well, we can try to piece it together as the show goes on. But uh, I think We'll piece it together. There we go. So uh, Christy Davis is the author of Long Legs and Tall Tales. Um, you've been a real live lo- Rockette, and you were originally from Dearborn, Yes, I was originally from Dearborn, danced there at my local dance schools for many years. And you, you quite a journey from uh, Dearborn to Radio City Music Hall. It was quite a journey, and it started at the University of Michigan. Oh, okay. I was even dancing here at the University of Michigan. Oh, wow. Did you have, uh, like, uh, choreography or dance classes, or how did you... I took some ballet classes here through the university, but I co-directed a student uh, dance company oh, okay. that, out of the union here uh, called Impact Jazz, and I believe it's still here. It sounds familiar. I believe so, yeah. So how did you, um, well, you, you probably a multiple-step process, I imagine. To getting to Radio City? Yes. It was a long and winding road. Mm. Well, how did, how did that begin? Well, after I graduated from college with my psychology degree and didn't know what I was going to do with my life, I moved to New York City to become a dancer with oh, okay. another friend that I met here in college and started dancing in modern a modern dance company. And I also danced for a party entertainment company. So we did a lot of bar mitzvahs and weddings and corporate gigs, and I've probably been to more bar mitzvahs than most people wow. in the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, it paid the bills. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, being a rockhead, I mean, that's a very rarefied uh, thing, a very rarefied position, I'd say. It is, and I actually didn't even get the position as a rockhead when I was in New York City. I, ha- I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, Okay down the road and there are many steps in between, but, um, they ended up branching out of New York, kind of like a franchise and 
were traveling around the country auditioning people. And when I was living in Los Angeles, I auditioned and I thought, I can do that. I can kick high. I've mm-hmm. got long legs. And that's how I got started. I looked in the trade paper, which was called Backstage. And I think there's Backstage is still around hmm. and found the audition and went to it. And the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> so how many people are on stage when you're dancing with other Rockettes or it varied depending on the stage. Um, I started in Branson, Missouri. Mm. If, have you heard? Have you ever been to Branson, Missouri? I haven't, but I understand it is quite the uh, music uh, mecca. Yes, for folks. entertainment and music mecca, and um, it's a beautiful place. And they had a wonderful theater that held about ah, five thousand people, mm. and so they had a pretty good sized stage. And we had, I think, we had we had twenty some. I can't remember exactly, but twenty some maybe there mm. in Radio City. They use 36 women that's a that's quite a wide stage so depending on the length of this this of the stage they'll have you know 20 to 36 and that's probably quite a workout I imagine it's very very demanding job it's very athletic and I calculated when I I was also in a show in Vegas we had a long running show in Vegas that was there for many years at the mm-hmm. Flamingo Hilton if you know the Flamingo Hilton mm-hmm. And I calculated that I did about 200 kicks in a show. Okay. Wow. And we did two shows a night, six days a week. Wow. And I calculated that I did probably about 1,200 shows over the course of my time as a Rockette. And so that's about 240,000 kicks. I don't know if I've I've really ever done one high kick. (laughs) So that's, I can't really fathom that. Well, I can work with you on that if you need some help. Um, I, I wonder if I should warm up first. You should definitely warm yeah. up first. You, really, nobody should try this at home if you're not a professional. Yeah. Um, Especially without warming up first. The hilarity of a radio host giving it a try and then having having to call uh, <laughs> 911. That, we, we'll go slowly. we got to stretch and work okay. our way up to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, on the subject of Punchkey, though, we were talking a little earlier about that. Yes, we were. And I, I actually had one last week. Oh, Okay. When I was in Grayling, Michigan. Oh, okay. And it was so good. I posted a picture of it online as that advertisement good. for our show today. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looked very good, actually. Did you see it? I did, yeah. I, ha- I had a custard-filled punch key, and it was, it was really heavenly, actually. It looked almost like you were a rocket dancing on top of a giant <laughs> yes. punch key. That's what it looked like from the pictures juxtaposed. Yes. I didn't really dance on it, but... I had to go to dance. Uh, I, I went to jazzercise when I got back. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was my balancing it out. I had tried to have one punchki that I hoped would be a prune punchki because that's a very traditional one, I understand. I know rose-filled punchki is another one. I read that. Yeah. But it turned out to be a blueberry, and that was fine. But it, was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't prune punchki. Well, you might have to go to Hamtramck or something to get the real deal. That's true. Yeah, we played a lot of songs. You may have heard last week we played a lot of songs by the Polish Muslims of Hamtramck. I did, and they were they were very funny, catchy yes. songs. And we may have to uh, fit one of those in here as well. I think we should. Yeah. Now, also, aside from, well, I, I guess you probably have a lot of stories about being a rockhead. I mean, is there one that uh, comes to mind? Well, I'll tell, since we're talking about a kind of donut, I'll yeah. tell a couple of Donut Rockette stories. Okay, definitely. No, there were Donut Rockette stories. I, d- I didn't, and I don't know if most people did. Well, when we were in Las Vegas, we were in a full-time show. So like I said, we did 12 shows a week and only had one day off. And we rehearsed a lot, too. So it got it was 
we, we had stars, different stars coming in and out of our show. And we had to change it every time. We had to change it for Christmas. And we had a lot of rehearsals just to keep the show looking good. So you, those rehearsal days were kind of grumpy because we needed our sleep and, <laughs> you know, being at the theater all day and all night. We needed something to get us through the day and the night. So we had this one of our senior Rockettes who had been around for a lot of years. She made up a, a list of everybody's name. And she would walk around and she, she would check you off the list. She was kind of like the donut bagel dictator. And Uh-oh. every rehearsal, we had to have somebody bring the bagels and the cream cheese and the Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay. And if you didn't do your part, you you were in trouble because we were... We needed the Krispy Kremes to get us through the day. This is serious. It was it was serious business. So if you were a new Rockette coming in, because we came and, you know, over the years people came and went. Didn't matter if you were in the show for just a week. You, you had to do your duty and bring the donuts. Don't think it's just a walk in the park or a high kick in the park. You've no. got to get your donuts, your bagels, whatever it is they you, want. You've got to do it. You've got to do your part. You've got to do your part. And during the Christmas show season... If you got lucky, you were supposed to bring in bagels too. It was expected. Oh, okay. Except if you were married, then you got then you were off the hook. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just because you have a more complicated life or something like that? Or no? I guess it's more exciting when you're when you're not married. Oh, okay. To go out and get the bagels. No, to get lucky. To get oh, right. There you go. <laughs> oh yes, that's it. Okay. So food connects to, to all kinds of things, I'd say, doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. Yeah. Now, as well as being a Rockette, you also um, were inside the gates of Hugh Hefner's notorious Playboy Mansion. So this is... uh, That is true. Again, quite a life for a small town uh, young lady from Dearborn, which I guess was a small town. You mentioned or something of a smallish town when you were younger. And uh, to to this life, what, what was the transition? Was there a transition for you there? Oh, between small town Dearborn at the time and and the the Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion yeah. in Los Angeles. Well, it was yes, it was kind of culture shock. One culture shock just being in California. I think when I said I was going to move to California, my friends thought, "Are you crazy? You're going to end up, you know, dancing naked and eating tofu," <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I almost did, but. Um, yeah, being I didn't expect to be ever at the Playboy Mansion and you know, my mom was was a mother who went who was a Sunday school teacher and she baked cookies and we had a very beaver cleaver lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, my family. Yeah. And then I was dancing with playmates, especially one who ha- whose mother was a playmate. And and when my my friend who was a playmate turned 16, she sent Hugh Hefner a telegram that said bunnies do multiply. Oh. <laughs> and he gave her a screen test and she and her mother were both playmates and that was very foreign to me. Wow. Holy nothing world. like my nothing like my hmm. childhood. <laughs> now, uh, another question now. I mean, I'm an introvert myself. Would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert or on the spectrum, you know? Oh, I was really really shy as a kid, but for some reason I can go on stage and not have a problem. So mm-hmm. I've become more extroverted too as I got older. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's uh, interesting to meet somebody who's actually seen those worlds. I, I haven't met somebody with, with an interesting dance career like that before. It's 
Well, that's why I wrote the book is because the stories, they were interesting to me too. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't want them to go, you know, be left and lost and not have them preserved so other people could enjoy, you know, getting that behind the scenes peek and what's it like to go to the Playboy Mansion? What's it like backstage as a rockette? So I hope you'll enjoy those. Yeah, that's it's called Long Legs and Tall Tales. And uh, A Showgirl's Wacky, Sexy Journey to the Playboy Mansion and the Radio City Rockettes is the full title. Now, have you ever caught, uh, do, you, do you have to wear heels when you were uh, a rockette? Or was yes, we did. They were, we danced in about two and a half inch heels. Okay. Which is very hard work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're jumping and kicking. And I, in fact, I, I lost my shoe when I was, I kicked my shoe right off when I was um, at the Fox Theater in Detroit once. Uh-oh. Yes, it was, it was not pretty because I had to dance one entire number with one high heel and one oh. f- barefoot. Oh, that's, but you got through it. You survived. I got through it. I'm, I'm here. Okay. Alive and kicking. That's good. Speaking of kicking, I think it might be time to hear some Ethel Merman disco. I'm, I can't wait. Yeah, this is uh, this album came out in 1979, and uh, Ethel Merman's doing uh, Everything's Coming Up Roses and other great songs, but she's also doing I Get a Kick Out of You, so we're going to hear a little bit of that. Uh, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. I'm with Christy Davis, and uh, let her rip, Ethel. Thank you. 
Ethel Merman go. That is Ethel Merman and I get a kick out of you. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and culture. Orwolf and Face the Music coming up at 7. And I'm here with uh, Rockette Christy Davis. Thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me. And um, it's funny, I was preparing for this show and I got an email from the Ypsilanti Food Co-op talking about, it said Rocket. <laughs> Yeah. And and I think it's pronounced rocket. I've heard it pronounced uh, roquette as well. Um, says here in the email, the email says the garden rocket, or just plain rocket, is more commonly referred to as arugula in North America. I, I had no idea. In Roman times, people thought it to be an aphrodisiac. Said Virgil, uh, the rocket excites the sexual desire of drowsy people. And okay. That's I don't know there, if there needs to be some kind of a five-minute disclaimer about other side effects, but uh, <laughs> there you go. The email asks, maybe it, was the, maybe it was the peppery flavor that gave it such a reputation? It's hard, hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. I think I, now I, I know why we love it. Yes. <laughs> when I first bought arugula, I thought, oh, let me just get a whole bag of it, and I'm just going to put a big pile of arugula and put some salad dressing on it. And I found out that it was not really suited to being all eaten in one sitting as opposed to being mixed up with other greens. I, I don't it's very spicy. Kind of intense, yeah. But it makes a great pesto. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. It does. Or you can add, you can roast butternut squash and throw in some, and cube it up, roast it, cube it up, put it on arugula with some, like, cranberries and some walnuts and then a apple cider vinaigrette. Wow. Really good salad. That breaks it up, too. It's not so much of the arugula. There you go. So when you, uh, I guess you can grind up the arugula much as you grind up a basil, right? Sure, yeah. That sounds really good, actually. You could, and you could mix it with basil too if you wanted. Well, there you go. That that, that actually sounds really interesting now. So Wikipedia says iruca sativa, commonly known as rocket salad or arugula. Other names include, I'm not sure it's rucola or rucola, rucoli, rugula, colwort, and roquette. Arugula is the common name widespread in the U.S. and Canada. It entered American English from the non-standard Italian. The English common name is rocket. They call it that in England. I didn't know that. So that derives from the French roquette, a diminutive of the Latin word iruca, which designated an unspecified plant in the I'm-not-going-to-try-to-pronounce-it family. <laughs> uh, probably a type of cabbage, it says. And then there's also arucolino, which is a looks like a liqueur. Uh, Rucolino is made from two types of rucola, says the Vivio Italiano website. The first type, Riccia, if I mispronounce that dad, I'm sorry, is characterized by narrow leaves and vivacious flavors with decidedly bitterish undertones, while the second is called Velutata, with broad leaves and softer, smoother flavors. The leaves, along with citrus peel, herbs, and roots, are infused in alcohol to macerate for 40 days before being filtered and mixed with water and sugar. Boy, that sounds delicious. Yeah, that's... Uh, and interesting. Like a liqueur made with uh, with rocket or arugula. That's very interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah, me neither. Now, while I was looking for that, I also found another English-American-French-Italian connection. Um, I was... Noticing that Zootopia won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars on Sunday, which is good for that. But it, that means, unfortunately, that My Life as a, as a Zucchini did not win. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That's a Swiss and French stop-motion animated film that came out last year. And 
just the beginning of the plot I saw on Wikipedia, they go quite extensively into the plot. So don't read Wikipedia. I'll give the whole thing away. It starts out with a little boy drawing a kite on the floor of a house filled with empty beer cans. He stacks the cans to make a pyramid. And fast forward, he's in an orphanage. He prefers to be called courgette, which is the French term for what we call a zucchini. Zucchini. Yeah. It's called a zucchini in the U.S., Germany, and Australia. I didn't know that, but... It's also called a courgette, not just in Francophone countries, but also in the UK, Ireland, New Zealand, Scandinavia, the Netherlands, and South America. South Africa, sorry. Did not know that. Well, I'm going to be in England in a few weeks, so I'm going to pronounce that correctly. Yes, ask for a courgette. Yes, not a zucchini. They won't know what I mean. There you go. And like all squash, it says here, zucchini has its ancestry in the Americans, in the Americas. But the varieties of green cylinder-shaped squash harvested immature and typically called zucchini were developed in northern Italy. So there you go. Maybe that's where the name comes from. What's more, in the UK, Ireland, and New Zealand, a fully grown matured courgette is referred to as a marrow. Oh, I've heard that term. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's new to me. So would a marrow be a jumbo small zucchini? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I've heard English people call it a marrow. Oh, okay. Um... I'm not sure how, how jumbo small works, but I think of jumbo shrimp, <laughs> yes, the jumbo right. shrimp of the vegetable kingdom. Um, actually, I'm going to play just a little bit, if you put your headphones on real quick. If you, you may have some headphones near you, but I'm going to play how a British person says this term. I think it's basically rocket, but is it roquette? Let's, let's give a listen here. Here we go. What I'm going to cook now for you, steak with rocket, olive oil, balsamico, and pecorino cheese. It should take five, six, seven minutes. Here's some steaks I selected from the supermarket. 28 day mature, so it's it's eight ounce steaks, seven pounds, 20p. It's 360 a steak with the rocket, with the pecorino, the balsamico, the olive oil. It's less than 10 quid for two people to have dinner. What I always search for when I'm looking for meat is a coating of fat round the eye of the meat, because that tells you what's in the meat. If there's no fat coating, you might as well eat cardboard. The first job I did was put the pan on the stove. For the simple reason it is, so while I'm seasoning my steaks, sorting myself out, the pan's got the heat in it. Because the secret of frying any steak is heat in a pan. What I'm gonna season it with is nor beef cube, rather than salt and pepper. I think you get a better result. So when I say make a paste, get the cube, a little bit of olive oil, and just break it out down. Just incorporate that oil into the cube. As you can see, just rub it. Coat it evenly. These steaks will take approximately, if we did about two minutes, two and a half minutes each side, Medium, rare, medium. And you go from there. It's up to you to finish this recipe. This is going to be the garnish. So what we're going to... Maybe I should have, from now on, have it start a recipe, and then you have to figure out the rest of it yourself. That's a fun game we could play. I think that is, definitely. Well, it's five minutes to seven already. Time flies rather quickly. Uh, Arwolf and Face the Music is in just a moment. Um, oh, wait, one one more thing I wanted to mention about um, the zucchini. And this is 
kind of the wonders of nature and uh, language. According to Wikipedia, botanically, zucchini are fruits. I didn't know They've that. They've got seeds, don't they? I guess so. It says here they're a type of botanical berry, which blows my mind, called a pepo. Who knew? So uh, a zucchini or courgette is a pepo and a fruit that is a botanical berry, being the swollen ovary of the zucchini flower. This is it, I don't, swollen. Do we want to eat a swollen ovary? I don't know. <laughs> That's actually a mighty good question. <laughs> I think we'll have to save that question for next week, but uh, very deep questions in, on Pandora's Lunchbox. Yes. <laughs> but before I go, I want to mention there is an exhibit at the Detroit Institute of Art that is coming to an end. It's ending March 5th. Bitter, sweet, coffee, tea, and chocolate. Ooh. says here, while the three drinks were considered fashionable beverages when introduced to 18th century European co- consumers, none of the plants required for their preparation was native to the continent. This is the museum's first exhibition that engages all five senses. Sight, of course, with plenty of beautiful, finely wrought objects to look at, but smell, hearing, touch, and taste are represented as well. And they mentioned in the first gallery, you'll be able to catch a whiff of freshly ground coffee beans or listen to selections from J.S. Fox's 1732 Coffee Cantata. So this is all at the DIA, and it's coming to an end this weekend. But an additional exhibition, The Edible Monument, The Art of Food for Festivals at the DIA, continues through April 16th. So that continues all at the DIA, the Detroit Institute of Arts, and you can find out more at DIA.org. Coffee and chocolate, that's a winner right there. Wonderful. Absolutely. With a courgette on the side, maybe. (laughs) Swollen ovary on the side. Yum, yum. Well, this has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike. And thank you, Christy Davis, author of Long Legs and Tall Tales, for joining me on the food journey today. Thank you, Mike. It's been fun. Well, this is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, wcbn.org. And now we're going to go out with another song by the Polish Muslims. I don't know if this is going to have a food reference in it or not, but... If you're going to work off that punch, you got to get started somewhere, so you might as well head to the land of a thousand polkas. Okay. Here we go with the Polish Muslims, WCBN FM Ann Arbor, WCBN.org. Keep listening and never stop doing that. Yet that cheat! Yet that I 
This is the real world of broadcasting, WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. It's 7 o'clock, time for Face the Music, our weekly uh, dipstick investigation into our collective cultural heritage. And this is uh, part two in a series of programs that we're naming after a uh, Coleman Hawkins composition called Disorder at the Border. I'd like to open with a player piano roll released in 1922, the artist James P. Johnson. This is called Look What a Fool I've Been. (laughs) 